What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. Today on the show, we're looking at Sunday's matchup against the Baltimore Ravens, trying to figure out what kind of game plan the Dolphins can implement to make sure they take care of business and secure win number two. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Cop Crabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, your team every day. We don't just say it, we live it here on the Locked On Network. Your host here on Locked On Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, as you can tell if you're on the YouTube channel, uh, co founder of the DraftNetwork.com. And very excited to bring today's episode to you, which is brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online has recovered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. And it's where the game starts. I uh, want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today, we're exploring this matchup against the Baltimore Ravens. These are two different teams than the ones that played on Thursday Night Football last year. Had a heck of a Thursday night game last night. Uh, hope you guys had a chance to catch up on with a couple of AFC playoff contenders uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs defeating the Los Angeles Chargers. But let's talk about Ravens-Dolphins before we go too far down the rabbit hole of, well, the AFC playoff picture. Yeah, it's, it's week two, right? So uh, I think the first thing that we do need to do is we need to acknowledge who we expect to play and who we expect to not play in this football game. So you look at the uh, injury report trend for both teams, and you would say Miami's trend is, is pretty promising. Uh, the team had two players who were non-participants in both days of practice on Wednesday and Thursday. Those were tight end Seathan Carter, who you know, in a very scary injury was like knocked out cold on a kickoff against the Patriots on Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium. Not a surprise there. Take your time, see things, get right. Uh, hope to see you back on the field soon and, and hope you're feeling better. Austin Jackson, non-participant on both Wednesday and Thursday. Mike McDaniels, you know, obviously dropped the line in the press conference if I don't speak ankle. Uh, said it's one of those things where it's not broken, but you kind of got to let it play itself out to get a feel. If Austin doesn't practice today, we know we're going to have Greg Little at, at right tackle. And the fact that the Dolphins went out and signed Brandon Shell, who's an experienced starter at the NFL level, I think gives you not a great omen for what we should be expecting from Austin Jackson's availability standpoint, but a non-participant on both days of practice. Everybody else that was in question at, was, was at least a limited participant on Thursday. And that's huge because you throughout the course of the week, at the very least, you want to see the availability trending in the right direction, right? Guys are good or they're limited and then they don't participate and they get worse. Well, that's a big red flag, right? And there's some of that on the other side of the fence for the Baltimore Ravens that we'll talk about in just a second. Uh, Christian Wilkins, Brandon Jones, Xavier Howard, Limited participants on Thursday after no issues on Wednesday. X had a veteran rest day, so let's not freak out. Uh, Brandon Jones, hip and back. Um, the fact that they were full participants on Wednesday 
kind of has you inclined to believe that that that's something that's just some tightness or so or some soreness that they're working with. Uh, Cedric Wilson dealing with a toe injury was a non-participant on Wednesday, limited participant on Thursday. Uh, Teron Armstead toe. Uh, the injury report also listed non-football injury uh, veteran rest. Uh, did not participate on Wednesday. I know Coach McDaniel was pretty non-committal. Listen, though, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Like, even if Teron Armstead didn't have a toe issue, I don't think he'll practice once on a Wednesday all year. If, and that's just a gut feeling based on Teron Armstead and where he's at in his career and the professional that he is and load management for him, which this organization has been very dialed in on with a lot of players. Don't be surprised if Teron Armstead is a DMP on every Wednesday for the entirety of the year. I'm not concerned about Teron because he only missed a couple games. He came back in and closed the game out. Looked good. Savan Ahmed, I think that's some gamesmanship maybe. Uh, Savan Ahmed did not participate with a heel injury on Wednesday. Limited participant on Thursday. So again, training in the right direction. Melvin Ingram got a vet rest day on uh, Thursday or on Wednesday and was a full participant on Thursday. Everybody, Eric Rowe, uh, Greg Little, full participant on both days with an ankle injury. Eric Rowe, limited participant both days with a peck after missing Sunday's contest against the New England Patriots. So there you go. That's that's kind of where the Dolphins stand from an injuries perspective and the trend lines for this week. Now, Baltimore, uh, guys who are actually injured, uh, Marcus Peters, corner. Limited participant on Wednesday, full participant on Thursday. Uh, he did not practice or he did not play on Sunday against the Jets. So that could be a potential add for them. Uh, but there are a handful of players who are going in the wrong direction. If we're being honest, we're limited participants on Wednesday and did not participate on Thursday. And that's it's not really a great sign, especially if they don't participate again today. Uh, Patrick Ricard, their fullback, uh, who they use for a lot of mismatch stuff, he did not participate on both days of practice thus far. Uh, James Prochet, wide receiver with a groin injury. You know, those soft tissue injuries are, are for receivers are always kind of touch and go with how dynamic they have to be in the force application uh, from their body to the turf and playing at steep angles and explosiveness. Uh, was limited on Wednesday, did not participate on Thursday. Uh, Ronnie Stanley, Stanley, their Pro Bowl starting left tackle, was a limited participant on Wednesday with an ankle. Did not participate Thursday with that same ankle injury. And then Brandon Stevens, cornerback with a quad issue, was limited on Wednesday. Also did not participate on Thursday. Marlon Humphrey, their star corner, groin injury limited on Thursday. A lot of names, a lot of names for both sides. I, I think the trends of their injury report are probably a little bit more favorable for Miami when just saying, hey, Austin Jackson and, and Seathan Carter, you can probably plan on not seeing, but at least everybody else from Miami's side of the fence doesn't have an ominous, oh boy, we're, we're sliding back into more alarming availability trends. Whereas a couple of guys for Baltimore, including Ronnie Stanley, Patrick Ricard, James Prochet, uh, technically even Marlon Humphrey, 
uh, and Brandon Stevens, like if your if your participation gets worse as the week goes, that's that's at least something to be mindful of as we get ready for and the teams are are bracing to release their final injury availabilities for Sunday's game. But I figured before we got into like schematically like offense and defense, what do the Dolphins need to do to win this football game? And interestingly enough, I do think there's some parallels to what they did against the Patriots for different reasons. And we'll talk about why here in just a second. Um, it was important to know who we are expecting will or won't be available. Um, or at the very least could be not at a hundred percent. And with that injury dynamic now out of the way, we can speed our way forward onto uh, the actual game plan for the week. Uh, and, and speaking of speeding our way forward, Turo is the world's largest car sharing experience. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., Canada, and the United Kingdom. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. Find an affordable economy car if you're on a budget or just need to get from A to B. Test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trap trip is backed by liability insurance terms and conditions and exclusions apply. Ditch boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. Just look down. Freaking cats here gave me a heart attack. So if you saw my soul momentarily leave my body and my complexion get the same as the, the Dan Marino jersey in the background, just know I just see like a little shadow moving around here in the corner and I got like lights up here. So you can't really see down here. So you guys on the podcast audio version only don't care. So my, my apologies uh, for that. We'll go ahead and move on. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about this Ravens roster. Obviously, we had the crossover uh, with Kevin Ostriker uh, yesterday on the show from Lockdown Ravens. And it was great catching up with him, and he was awesome. You know, we, we chatted for another 15 minutes after we went off the air, just kind of talking candidly about the game and kind of our expectations. And I think for Miami, offense, defensively going against Baltimore's offense. I would expect a further incidence in zero pressures, actual zero pressures, than what the team brought against the New England Patriots. But we talk about how the Dolphins chose to match up against New England. And they played a lot of three, cover three, uh, which is three deep third defenders, typically your two outside corners and a high post safety. So you're playing middle of the field closed. The advantage of that is you have three deep players and then your other eight players are more intermediate or line of scrimmage players. So you have higher volumes in the box to defend the run. What the Patriots did throughout the course of the game against the Dolphins on Sunday is they kept running zone week, right? They, they bring out the 12 personnel with the tight ends, They're trying to get you into a heavier personnel group and the Dolphins will align to the run strength. And then the Patriots will say, okay, we are going to bend the run back away from where your extra bodies are and try to catch you to the lighter half of the box. Um, but Miami, courtesy of their interior defensive linemen, 
uh, had a lot of success winning the point of attack and preventing movement up front and climbing. Well, let's ask ourselves about the Baltimore Ravens. Their wide receivers are Rashad Bateman, Devin DuVernay, James Prochet, who's on an alarming trend from an injury availability standpoint, Tylen Wallace and Demarcus Robinson. That's the five wide receivers on the game day roster for the Baltimore Ravens. If you think about the New England Patriots with Devontae Parker, uh, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, is it, is it any better of a group in its entirety? My answer is probably no. Uh, because even like Prochet and Duvernay, they're speedy guys. Right? Kendrick Bourne's a speedy guy. Nelson Aguilar's a speedy guy. Uh, and then I look at the offensive line, and obviously we, we've acknowledged Ronnie Stanley is somebody who uh, we may or may not see dealing with an ankle injury. Left guard is Ben Powers. Rookie center Tyler Linderbaum going to have his hands full. Kevin Zeitler's a good player. And Morgan Moses is an adequate starting offensive tackle. The team's already lost uh, Jawan James uh, for injury. He will not play. So... From a personnel standpoint up front, well, Ronnie Stanley has the ability to really be a needle mover versus what the Dolphins faced against New England. But I think Miami has the advantage both in the secondary and in the box. So it's okay. You've got a really dynamic athlete in Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. And are we going to see J.K. Dobbins? Sounds like it, probably. Um, but the, the, the Ravens really struggle to run the ball against the Jets. I think you'll see a lot of the same stuff. I think you'll see cover three because you want the extra hat in the box. I think you'll see more aggressiveness because, in, at least until Lamar shows that he can beat those zero pressure looks because they had no answer for it last year. But I also would not be surprised if they give you the zero pressure looks and then they end up dropping eight and they'll flood coverage and they'll contain rush, try and keep Lamar inside the pocket. And he was not overly active as a runner in week one against the Jets and force him to get them all dialed up about seeing pressure and then drop out. And if you're playing in your your nickel and your dime defenses with five and six defensive backs on the field, you should theoretically have the speed if Lamar does try to take off, and you're also contained rushing anyway. Uh, I, I think there's, there's there should be a lot of gamesmanship on that front, a lot of showing pressure, a lot of presenting of uh, urgent, get the ball out fast, and then change the picture and drop out. And what I really like about that concept is Miami did that several times against New England, and guys were where they were supposed to be. And we talked about that on Tuesday when we did the All-22 study from against New England. The zone coverage landmarks were much cleaner than they were last year, early in the year. And you're going to need that. But also one of the advantages to playing zone is you've got eyes in the backfield. And with a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, who... If you play man coverage and you are you know, turning and transitioning and playing with receivers and, and carrying receivers vertically down the field in which your eyes are on the receiver and not in the backfield, when Lamar breaks contain and goes, guess what? You're not going to know because you're looking at the receiver. You're not looking in the backfield. 
So by leveraging and capping the routes by sitting over top of the routes and reading through the receiver into the backfield, it gives you the opportunity to process the action and be more readily available to play and support if Lamar does take off. So that's the fine line you got to walk. You got to know, okay, we're in a pressure situation. It's third and long. We either need to be plus one in our rush versus protection. And what I mean by that is that if they keep the tight end and they keep the running back in the block, they have seven to block. You need to rush eight. If they only block with five and everybody else goes out and routes, you need to rush with six. And whoever gets there to Lamar, you know, it's usually DB types. It's Javon Holland. It's Brandon Jones. It could be Eric Rowe, but probably not. Um, Y'all going to make the play. Y'all going to make the tackle. Right? So that's kind of the gamesmanship of Miami coming in. And if you do end up bringing the pressure and you want to be plus one with your rush plan, what you need to make sure you have communicated before the snap is who has who. Because usually these um, you can either be a plus one as a, a blitzer or you can be a blitzer who then by a call drops out and picks somebody up. Uh, so you, you could be a, a back on back out. Bobo call was what we called it when I played, right? And it's, uh, I am blitzing, but I understand if the back releases out into a route on my side, I have to peel off my blitz track and I got to pick him up. So making sure we're all on the same page on, hey, yeah, we're all coming, but he re if he releases, it's got to be me that goes with him. Because you don't want what happened with New England where Raekwon McMillan comes on a blitz and then drops out, but doesn't drop to the specific player who was Chase Edmonds. And Chase Edmonds gets a first down on third and short, despite the fact that New England has two free runners at the quarterback because the linebacker loses his mind and doesn't drop to anybody in particular. That's defensively. I think you'll see a lot of three. Uh, I do think from a talent perspective uh, at wide receiver, you know, playing over top of their speed by being in cover three is, is advantageous. Um, if you wanted to man them up, you could, but I don't think this is the kind of game plan with Lamar Jackson, a quarterback that you want to turn this into a nine on nine game. You know, you want all 11 to be able to rally and hustle to the field. And then again, you know, Miami handed it in a lot of, in a lot of reps, you know, and the reason why my New England had success rushing the ball early is they ran two concepts. They ran inside zone weak, and they ran toss crack, where the wide receiver steps down on the edge, you pull a couple offensive linemen around, you get outside, uh, and you run a boundary. I don't think this, first of all, these wide receivers for Baltimore can't block like New England's can. So if they want to watch the game tape, say, oh, yeah, we'll run toss crack. Okay, go for it. Tell Devin Duvernay to block our corners. Tell, tell De Devin Duvernay, better yet, to block our linebackers. Or Devin Duvernay to block Jalen Phillips. Go ahead. If that's, if that's a, a game plan you want to live and die by, go for it. But oh, just looking at the, the, the talent that is available to Baltimore, Mark Andrews is going to get his and he's going to eat. Lamar Jackson is going to get his and he's going to eat. It's a question of, can you tighten it up when the field gets more congested? And 
know, making sure you have any, as many eyeballs in the backfield as you can on Lamar Jackson to be ready for the opportunities when he does decide to run. So that's defensively how I would expect them to call it. Uh, maybe not quite as uh, assertive with the zero stuff. I'd show it all the time. But I would never give you any level of confidence on when I'm actually coming or when I'm dropping out. Bet Online is your number one source for all your pro and college betting needs this sports season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this weekend's games. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. I'll look defensively at this death chart for the Baltimore Ravens. Really interesting group. Um, the team has three lush rush linebackers on the roster. First of all, Odafe Owe, first round pick from 2021. Veteran Justin Houston. And Stephen Means. That's it. That's it for your edge players on the roster. Now, they, they do have Calais Campbell, uh, who I would expect will spend plenty of time in a tight alignment. Uh, and then they've got a slew of stack backers. Baltimore's strength, even amidst the injuries, lies, as we talked about yesterday, uh, in the secondary with Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Marcus Williams, who's probably the best player of the group, him and, and Marlon, Humphrey, or, or Marlon Humphrey are pretty close. Uh, Chuck Clark's a good player. Uh, then you have some youth and inexperience in Kyle Hamilton, which you could try to exploit. You have some youth and inexperience with Brandon Stevens in the nickel, and he's in the nickel because Kyle Fuller is, uh, is out for the year on IR. Or uh, Yeah, he's out for the year on IR. I think there's a lot of hay to be made, if we're being honest, with the outside zone stuff. Um, the backers in Baltimore, the, the, the linebackers, the Patrick Queen, Josh Bynes, Malik Harrison, Christian Welsh, Josh Ross, Delshawn Phillips, that group, um, I would really test. They have speed, but... Miami's offense has kind of already gathered this reputation for misdirection and, and shifts in motion. And uh, I would try to do as many false keys before the snap as I can. And I would try to jet motion the backers or jet motion receivers away from the run strength to try to uh, get the backers to bump over a gap. And if you catch them bumping a gap, you can be plus one, um, depending on how the formation is constructed. But I would really test their eyes a lot. Obviously, the play action in the middle of the field. And I would try to roll out on this team, too. No, um, you didn't see too much of that against New England. You didn't see too many rollouts, especially not versus the expectation if you were down at the public practices and training camp and so on and so forth. But I would look to move the pocket. Uh, because Michael Pierce, Justin Matabuike, Travis Jones, if he's available to play, Calais Campbell, these are all guys that can push the pocket, but they are players that you would expect to a Tonga Valoa to have the mobility to extending it away from. 
So I think that's one thing for me. I would move the pocket more than I moved it against New England. You the, the nice thing about the matchup against the Ravens defense is you do have two wide receivers that you have a level of confidence in their ability to um, win theirs regardless, right? It, it, there's there's not going to be any team that comes into a game and says, oh, we're just going to man up on the outside and turn it into 909. Dolphins have that advantage uh, when you have a healthy Byron Jones and you're playing some of these teams that have lesser wide receiver rooms. You can really say, okay, we're going to force you. And the Dolphins living in cover three against the Patriots, I mean, they're, they're daring you to throw outbreaking routes in the short and intermediate areas of the field and nickel and dime your way all the way down the field. Patriots didn't do it. And I think, again, I think, you know, Lamar Jackson is best over the middle of the field and vertically. Make him live out here, right? Make him live out in this area where, you know, everybody kind of scoffs at what our quarterback's current strengths are. And Tua throws pretty well over the middle of the field uh, his, himself and is more of an intermediate and short passer at this point in time in his career. But he can throw with timing to the outside. and. I would be, again, the advantage is to go back to defensive game plan. I'd be daring them to hit the same throws. Um, but offensively, you know, I don't, I can't really quantify the potential loss of Austin Jackson because I don't know what Austin Jackson is. Coming into the year, I classified him as a replacement level player. Replacement level starter. Um, because of the ups and the downs, right? So if you get Greg Little in that spot, I don't know that it necessarily changes anything that you would do from protection standpoint. Now, whoever has Odafe Owe is going to have their hands full. They're a pretty promising player, really explosive, dynamic, high-weight speed, pretty flexible. Justin Houston's a savvy vet. But for me, I, I, I think misdirection running outside to try to stress what's a pretty heavy hitting interior front and you know an offense that or a defense that doesn't have a lot of bodies to play on the edge and then if the backers start flying out of there well then that's where you would hope that that you can create the kind of uneven levels and horizontal stretch uh in the defensive front so that not everybody is in their gap and just flowing with the run Instead, the linebackers get out over top of it. The defensive line kind of lags behind it. And then, boom, that's where you can hit the windback runs and the cutback run when you're running outside. And you see, okay, I got edge. Okay, he's flying here. I'm going to turn up field a little bit. Whoa, they way over pursued. Bang, stick my foot in the ground and go back out the back door once you get out past the first level. So misdirection, really work the outside zone in this contest and uh, continue to scheme the quick throws. And the manufacturer touches to your explosive weapons one-on-one on the outside and dare them to tackle. Dare them to tackle in space. That's how I'd go about it. That's, that's also just me. We'll see how quickly or how closely that parallels what the Dolphins do ultimately do against the Baltimore Ravens. But that is going to do it for us today. On this Friday episode of Locked On Dolphins, your team every day. We don't just say we live it. I hope you guys enjoyed this chat and check-in. For the Dolphins against the Baltimore Ravens. Looking forward to being in attendance on Sunday as well. Talk to you guys after the game. Locked on Dolphins. Fins up. Make it a great Friday. Enjoy the college football tomorrow.
And as always, go Dolphins.